Yes. So um, I invite you to open your, your Bibles to First Thessalonians chapter 1. That's where we're going to be uh, heading this morning. Uh, but first, let me say something to you. Um, this is my first time preaching in English. Uh, and let me tell you. <laughs> Can I have my water, Dan? <laughs> yes, thank you. So it's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for me. <clears throat> Speaking English and preaching or speaking and preaching are two whole different things. <laughs> Completely different. Um, as I talked last week with, uh, with uh, Pastor Dan, I was trying to mention some, some uh, Bible verses, and I couldn't, I couldn't say them in English. I know them well in Spanish, but I just don't know how. To, and even as I study sometimes for, for the, for when I preach uh, to our congregation, I, I read in English, but... Whenever there's a Bible verse, I have to go into Spanish because for some reason it just doesn't, uh, you know what I mean? So, so, if there's a Spanish word that comes out once in a while, just bear with me. Just bear with me. And this morning we're going to talk about the church as, as we were talking about uh, this morning, Pastor Dan. Uh, the, the, body of, the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. So we want to talk about the church this morning. Um, now, when we, uh, when we talk about the church, um, and we want to talk about the church that God wants us to be. And I've titled this message, The Church After God's Own Heart. Uh, and when we, we tend to think about the church, we tend to think about what? The four walls. The building, the building. Even when we say, oh, are you, are you, this morning probably, are you going to church? Are we going, when are you going to church? But we always tend to think about the building. We tend to think about the four walls, right? Uh, but the reality, the reality of that is that the church is not a building. The church is not a building. It's a spiritual building. It's a spiritual building. Uh, we are the church. You are the church. I am the church. And that's why the Word of God gives us that beautiful analogy in Ephesians of one body. Sometimes they tend to say this is an organization, but it is not an organization. It is an organism. Why is it an organism? Because it's alive. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, Christ living in us, makes it a live organism. And it's one body. And I always say, and I tell uh, my people all the time, the, our congregation all the time, that's why we all are needed. It's essential. Your, your uh, participation, your, you are needed in the body. And the reason why you are needed is because no one can do your function. Do you get that? Right? We all have a function, and no one else could do it. And that's why we all are needed in this body. So we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about the church. Uh, um, we are the church, the body of Christ. The word itself, uh, church, ecclesia, 
in, in Greek means the called out ones, the called out ones. Uh, uh, the called out ones from where? From the darkness brought into the wonderful light of Jesus Christ, right? Isn't that a beautiful thought? That is a wonderful thought. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, that is a privilege, my brothers and sisters, that is beyond comprehension. Uh, we are the ones that, according to Ephesians 1.4, we've been chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. Isn't that an amazing thought? That before anything there was, before anything was, there was ever in eternity past, we were in crisis. We were in God's mind. You and I, separated for Him. His bride was chosen then. That's amazing. That is amazing. And that is the church. That is the church. That is us. We are the privileged ones. Having said all of that, in that position that we have, in that privilege, that wonderful privilege that we have, uh, that, uh, um, <clears throat> that identity that the Word of God gives us, we must say, having said all of that, we must say that the church is in crisis today. The church is in a crisis today. Um, <clears throat> and we could see it all over the place. Uh, we are saying that, yes, we are the called out ones. The called out ones from where? From where? From the world, right? That's what the Bible tells us. We are called out from the world, from the darkness, from the darkness, from the system. Now, when we're talking about the world, we're not talking about the earth. We're talking about the system, the culture that we, that we live in. We are being called out of that, Right? Uh, even more than that, the Bible tells us that this, our, citizen, our citizenship is not of this world. We are sojourners in here. And that's why the book of Colossians tells us that we should set our sights where? On heavenly things, not of this world. The problem sometimes with the church is that we tend to grasp this world so tightly that we cannot think of the heavenly things. We tend to become some, especially in our country here, we tend to become so materialistic that all we think is about what we could do here and nothing about the kingdom of God. And sometimes that's where the church falls in. But we, want to, we don't want to be there, right? We want to be the church, that the, the church that God wants us to be. And that's why we want to talk about today. Um, <clears throat> the Bible tells us, right? I was going to say Spanish word just now. <laughs> <laughs> the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, 17, come out from among them and be separate. You know what that means? To be separate, right? And it tells us that because we are called to be different. We are called to be different. Uh, according to Ephesians 4, 25, we are called to talk different. According to Ephesians 4, 17, we are called, our walk should be different. The way we dress should be different. First Peter 3, 2, 2 to 5. We are called to be different. We are not like the world. We are not like the world. Uh, interestingly, coming to mind, uh, back in Deuteronomy, I think it's chapter 11. Deuteronomy chapter 11. I, I didn't give him the... Uh, <laughs> 2.11. Deuteronomy 2.11. It tells us that God tells the people of Israel not to wear garments of linen that are mixed with mixed materials of linen and wool. 
It tells them all they could eat, what they could eat, what they couldn't eat. And we, and we say when we read that, what is that all about? And the truth is that it had nothing to do with the garments. It had nothing to do with the food they ate. You know what it had to do with? Being separate. Being different. That the rest of the, the God calls his people, the people of Israel, to be different, to be the light of the world. So he wanted to see when other people saw them, that they were different. And that has always been God's purpose. That when people see his church, they see something different. Now the question to us is, is the world, when they look at us, are they seeing something different? And I say this to you because sometimes the church wants to be like the world. We tend to want to dress like the world. We tend to want to talk like the world. We tend to want to imitate the world. And that's not what we are called to be, to do. We are called to be the church that God wants us to be. And there is a, uh, there is a pattern that we could follow. No, that is a, a pattern that, that we should follow. follow. Um, <clears throat> And that's not where we want to be. We don't want to follow the culture. We don't want to follow the system. We want to follow God's own heart. And where is God's own heart? Where can we see that? The Word of God. We always, we always have to go back there because that's where it gives us the pattern and how we should live and how we should guide ourselves. We should be, want to be the church that He wants us to be. Now, again, for that, we should find a pattern. Um, a pattern, it, it's easy, right? When you see a pattern, when you see a, an example, you look at it and you say, okay, that's the example that we should follow. Let's go. Let's do it. And that's what we, we, we want to look at. We want to look at an example, a pattern that, that, that we could follow in the church. And we could talk about many churches in the Bible, of course. Uh, we could talk about the seven churches of Asia Minor, Minor, not Minor, Minor, right? In the book of Revelation. We see seven churches there, seven churches, seven churches that the Lord writes specifically to each one of them, specifically, a, a special letter specifically to, to them, right? Um, five of them, five of them completely condemned, fatally flawed, fatally flawed, five of them. Only two received commendations. That was the church of Smyrna and the, and the church of Philadelphia. The rest of them threatened Threatened to be disappeared. Threatened to be put out of existence. And he, and he did. And he did. Uh, these churches were so fatally flawed, so badly, that they basically were condemned. Basically were condemned. Uh, no, we, we don't want to follow that, that, that pattern, right? We don't want to follow that pattern. They completely gave themselves to the uh, defection from the, from the truth, the, from the faith, and, and from the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. And I tell you that to let you know that uh, it shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't surprise us uh, or shouldn't be as in any surprise to us that, it's, that is still happening today. That is still happening today. Many, many churches are defecting from the truth. And that's why we bring this, because we want to be the church that the Lord wants us to be. We don't want to be like the rest. We don't want to be like those churches. And we also find uh, uh, um, other churches that we could talk about. We could talk about the church of Corinth. Riddle, riddle 
with problems, with sin from head to toe. We're studying the book of 1 Corinthians and went from, from the start all the way to the end, all the way to the end, riddled with sin and problems. We could also talk about the church in, uh, of Galatia. They have fallen to pray to, to the false, false gospel, to legalism, to unfaithfulness to the truth and to the Lord. We have the church of Ephesians, proud, impatient, still holding to sins from the past, lacking forgiveness, all of that. Then we have the church of Galatia, drawn towards legalism, carnality, sensuality, uh, worshiping of angels, worshiping of the uh, uh, mystical stuff, all of that. Then we have the church of Philippi, complaining, worrying, proud, marked by, by discord. We don't want to follow that pattern, right? Absolutely not. That's not the pattern we want to follow. But those are the, all of those churches are in the Word of God. But we want to find one that we could follow. And that's the one I want to take you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, a wonderful church, a, a church that we could celebrate, a church that we could see that pat pattern, that example, and, let's, and we could say, let's follow that. Amen. Let's follow that. Right? And that's what we're looking for. So we're going to go and we're going to look at the uh, church of uh, uh, Thessalonians, Thess Thessalonica. Am I saying it right? Yes, I am. Thessalonica. Now, it doesn't give us any reference. When we look, it doesn't give us any, uh, any reference as to how big the church was, their programs, uh, it, what kind of Sunday school they had, what kind of worship music they, 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 they had, they, they sang. It doesn't give us any references to that. But it does tell us one thing that they had internally. And when the good Lord wants to take the temperature of the church, right, he looks internally. And when we, when we look at the, 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 uh, the church of Thessalonica, we see that definitely this church was on point. 98.6. Perfectly healthy, perfectly normal. That's where we want to be. That's where we want to be. Right? Amen. <clears throat> and because of that, we want to find, because we have a, a tremendous pattern in it. for us, that's what we want to see. Uh, and I have to give you some background as to this uh, to this, uh, to this church, so you could know a little bit. Maybe you guys know, but I have to give it to you anyway. I have to give you a little bit of a background. If you go Acts chapter 17, we see it right there, how this, uh, and that, this is the, I want to give you this, uh, it's just, we're going to try to make it short, um, because this is the, this is the beauty, we, this is where we, could, we can appreciate the beauty of this church. And if we go there, it had been around uh, 49 A.D., and we want to see what happened. And in Acts chapter 17, it tells us uh, they had traveled, and it was Paul and, uh, so, uh, Paul and his uh, Timothy and, and Silas. They had traveled. This is the second, this is, this is the second, sec, second missionary journey uh, of Paul. And it tells us there that they had traveled through Amphipolis, Amphipolis, thank you, <laughs> and Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica where there was a synagogue of Jews. Now, this was custom to, to, to Paul, right? Paul, this is what he did all the time. If you, if you see and you read about his journeys, the first thing he did when he got to a city, what did he do? 
right into the synagogue. What did he do? Preach the gospel, proclaim the gospel. That was his, that was his call, and that's what he would do. So he goes in there, as usual as it was, and in, in, in verse 4, it tells us what happened. Some believed <clears throat> and joined uh, Paul and Silas, included a large number of, uh, of God-fearing Greeks, and many, many, uh, many women, right? But this is what happened. Verse chapter 5, I'm sorry, verse 5. Some unbelieving Jews, jealous. It tells us they, they went into the marketplace, right? They went into them. They hired some thugs. They made a mob, and they brought the city in an uproar. And that's usually what happens when you bring the truth, the gospel of the truth, uh, to bear. We are not, uh, we are not called to... Um, I shouldn't say it like this, say it like this, but is we are not called to be friendly. We're never friendly. The, the, the gospel is offensive to the world. The gospel is offensive to the world. They don't like it, and because they don't like it, the Bible tells us, right? What, what, what did Jesus Christ say? They hated me. They're going to hate you too, and we should expect that. And that's why when the, the culture and the system and all of that comes to us and bring us some stuff that they, you know, they believe and all of that, and we come and we say, wait a minute, that. That's not the way. We are called intolerant, and we, all call, we are called all kinds of names, right? But that's why the Word of God tells us that we are called to be different. We're going against the grain. We're going against the culture. We're going against the system. And we should always have that in mind. Always. So this is what, what was happening with, uh, uh, with Paul, with Silas and Timothy. They're there. Uh, and it says that uh, attacking the house of Jason, Jason was the one that welcomed them. They were attacking the house of, uh, uh, of Jason. They were looking for Paul. They didn't like what was happening. They created a mob. They went out to look for them. They couldn't find him. So they began to drag, uh, to drag out Jason before the authorities, the authorities, it tells us, right? What Jason does, he gives a bond, uh, some kind of bond to let them go. They let him go, and they kick out Paul and Silas and Timothy, they kick them out, right? Now, mind you, it had, only be, it had only been three Sabbaths. One Sabbath, two Sabbaths, and one in the middle. Two weeks. Two weeks. This church was founded in two weeks. In two weeks' time. When all of these things, hap things happen, they throw them out, they kick them out, and they're gone. A year passed, a year had passed when Paul writes this letter. And he tells us there, we see in, 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 in uh, chapter 3, verse 5, tells us that Paul couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. And, and we can imagine Paul's heart, right? We can imagine Paul's heart. He loved the church. The Bible tells us in, in, in 2 Corinthians that, that that was his passion. The suffering was always the church. The growth of the church, the well-being of the church. So, this had been burning in him. And a year had passed, and obviously there was no FaceTime. There was no FaceTime. There was no texting. There was no emails. There was none of that. It's a matter of fact that in the, 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 their mail was, there was no mail like this. So, a year had passed before Paul knew anything, but that was burning in his heart. Until Paul says, I can't take it any longer. And in verse chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, it tells us that he sends, he sends Timothy out to, to 
go check on them. And we can imagine, right? A church founded in two weeks. Church founded in two weeks. Baby. And he's gone. No apostles, no apostles, no, no Paul. No one to instruct them in that kind of, a, you know, that all the other churches, uh, the, the church of Ephesians, I think uh, Paul was there for five years. Other churches, he was there for three years. Other churches, there he was for one year, instructing them in doctrine and all of that. This church, two weeks. Two weeks, and he's gone. So we could understand Paul's feeling there. So he sends, Paul, he sends uh, uh, Timothy, and this is what he says in, ch- in verse chapter 5. Uh, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 5. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. For fear that, the, some, that somehow the tempter had tempted you, had tempted you and, our, and our labor would be in vain. So he sends Timothy there. Right? And he's waiting for the answer. Timothy comes back, and you know what he said? Verse 6 says it. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Two weeks, baby church. The good news, we were still steadfast. They were moving on. Nothing was stopping them. Now, mind you, we could say, we could say what was happening with this church, that maybe, maybe their circumstances, maybe their situation was a little bit different than all the other churches. But you know what? It was not. It was just as, as our brother was saying, there were idolatry, all over the place. Historian tells us of that Thessalonica was a commercial city. And historians tells us that they were, they had, when they had built, they had built the houses in there, there was no windows. You know why there were no windows? <laughs> there was robberies. There was just all over the place. Uh, prostitution was legal. Prostitution was legal. All kinds of vile sin all over the place. And that's where the church was. They said that in the houses, in the walls of the houses outside, they had a, um, a sort of like pornographic pictures paint, painted all over the place in, in the houses. So as we could see, it was a very bad situation for them. But in the midst of that sea of filth, they were growing steadfast. Isn't that beautiful? That's the way we want to be. That's the way we want to be. Our culture and our, this world, perverted world, it, it throws, constantly throw, is throwing things at us. And especially now, we have, uh, we have the cell phone, it's so quick, seconds, and we could see everything as fast as we can. And it's constantly throwing us the culture, and it's constantly throwing us all kinds of sin. And that's a problem for us. Because we tend to be, uh, uh, we get so used to looking at certain images, right? We get so used to hearing certain things that then almost any sin becomes normal for us to see and to hear. 
right? Yes, it is. I know it. And at some point, whatever we see out there, it doesn't shock us anymore. It doesn't shock us anymore because we've gotten so used to seeing it. It's all over the place. Well, this church had the same thing. Had the same thing. But the good news was that he comes back and it's a, 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 a tremendous news. Tremendous news. They were moving forward. They were moving on. <clears throat> now, interestingly, interestingly, do you know where Paul is writing this letter from? Corinth. And you know what was happening with Corinth, right? What a contrast. What a contrast. He was there and trying uh, with this church, like I told you before, riddled with all kinds of sin and problems. And now here comes this church, founded in two weeks. And this beautiful joy that, brought to, uh, that was brought to uh, Paul's heart. This church is moving forward fast, strong, steadfast in love and in their faith. Beautiful. And that's what we want to look. This is what we want to pattern our, 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 our church, right? <clears throat> so let's see what pattern uh, for us, the, uh, for this ideal church that uh, Thessalonica gave us. First of all, let me tell you, the, I mean, I'm, and I'm only, only going to give you two principles. There's many principles that we could draw out of here, but I'm only going to give you two. I, 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 my problem is that I, I, I tend to write a little bit and I tend to talk a lot. <laughs> and that is a bad thing. Our church is always. So, so whenever, whenever I write a whole bunch, I, it, and so... Bear with me. Bear with me. Well, let's see what it says. Uh, The first thing, the first principle, the first point, Thessalonica was a safe church. Thessalonica was a safe church. Now, we may say, or we might say, that doesn't seem to be uh, too abnormal, right? That they're saved. But you know what? It is. There are many, many mega churches filled with people, filled with people that are not saved. They know the lingo. They raise their hands. They know some of the word. They know the words. They know all of that, but they're not saved. And that is a problem. You know why that's a problem? Because it brings confusion. It brings confusion to the world. Again, because the world wants to see something different in the church. And when the world doesn't see anything different in the church, you know what they say? What do I need that for? Sometimes they say, I am, I'm better than them. I live better than them. Because they don't see any difference. They don't see any difference. They see us like we're just like them. And that's why I said that we are called to be different. Because we want the world to see and desire, want what we have. Want that Christ living in us. That when they see our lives, they see our lives transformed by the power of God. And they want to say, I want that too. And the church of Thessalonica was that way. The church of Thessalonica was that way. They were truly, they were truly saved. Uh, and again, that is uh, uh, many churches that don't know the beginning of the meaning of salvation. They don't know. 
And that's why the, the word of God all the time. If you read the, uh, um, 2 Corinthians, the last chapter, it tells, he tells the, the Corinthians, examine yourself to see, if you're in your, uh, to see if you're in the faith. That's what we must do. If you read 1st, 2nd John, that's what the, those two letters are all about. If you read James, the book of James, it tells us the same thing. All of those is to see if we're truly saved or not. Because a lot of people say they're saved, but in reality, they are not. So we are called to examine ourselves. And this church was beautiful. This church, they, 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 were, they were truly saved. Uh, uh, <clears throat> truly saved. And if you look at, we're going to see that in verses 1 and 2. Well, first it says, let's read verses 1 and 2. Paul, Silvinus, and Timothy. Paul? Silvinus? Am I? Silvanus, thank you, thank you. Silas, same thing. Let's say Silas so I could pronounce it better. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, Thessalonians. In God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. And here we go. And we give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father. Here we go. Work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness, steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. You see that? Those were the evidences of their salvation. They were the wonderful. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Why does Paul know that he had, cho has, had chosen them? Why? Because of the evidence they, they, they were giving. They were, the, 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 their work of faith. Now that word, work, it means in, in Greek, it means work to exhaustion. So they just were not, they were just not moving along. You know what I mean? They were just not going through the motions. These people were on a roll. So much that if you, if you go down, you go, you go down more, it says that people all over the place, they were hearing about them. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that great? The people somewhere in Africa know about Trinity Church. And they say, man, did you hear about that church? Trinity Church, Trinity Baptist Church of Fairfield. Man, those people, those people are just like, they're on fire. And we don't even know them. But they know about us. That was the church of Thessalonica. That was the church of Thessalonica. But here we have the evidences of their salvation. The work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of, of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And I love that labor of love. You know why? Because this is what we are called here for. Because it's work too. Labor of love. Right? Amongst who? Amongst here where we are. Because that's sometimes where we have difficulty too, right? We do have difficulty. Well, we come from different backgrounds, uh, especially the Spanish, the Spanish cultures. They're hot. Hot, hot temper, hot, hot emotions, all of that, right? And sometimes we come from different places, different areas, different walks of life, all of that. And sometimes as we come together, it's a little bit difficult. But these people, now there were Jews, Greeks, and from all walks of life. 
But if you read, a, if you read the whole letter, it tells, Paul tells him, I don't have to teach you or tell you about love because God already has shown you and you are doing it. You're loving each other. Isn't that beautiful? It was just coming out. It was the Holy Spirit working, working in them and bringing it out. And that's what the world wants to see too. When the world sees uh, divisions, discord inside of the church, is just, it creates ugliness. And they don't want that. So these people, they were working with the labor of love and the steadfastness, moving forward, moving forward, beautiful. Those are the evidences of their, of their, um, uh, of their salvation. <clears throat> now I say all of this again because we see it all over the place, right? Uh, uh, um, the defection of the faith everywhere. The Bible tells us that we, we're, we're, we're living in, 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 in the last days that it would be a time of apostasy, and that's where we are. Many, many are defecting the faith, going somewhere else. Heteresies, and the Bible tells us too, uh, Acts chapter 20, right? That there were going to be false teachers popping up from somewhere. And unfortunately, it tells us there that they, were gonna be, they would be coming out from where? From inside the church. They would be coming, coming out from inside the church, from outside the church. And that's what we face. And that's what, we see, that's what we see today. But we are called to be steadfast in the word of God and in our faith and in our labor of love like this, like this people. So, <clears throat> there lies the beginning of an effective church. They were truly saved. <clears throat> and the reason, hear this, the reason why so many churches are ineffective is because they are a mixture of wheat. wheat. Now, we can't avoid that. We, we, am I saying it right? Wheat and tears. Right? We can't, we can't help that. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But our job, our job is, is not to take the, 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 the tears out. It's going to grow. That's, the good Lord is going to do that. Our job is to keep up the work of faith and the labor of love and the steadfastness. steadfastness. That's a tough word there. That's our job. The tears will be removed when the good Lord comes. And we'll have our reward, and they will have their reward. <clears throat> but we should, be, we should be sure of that we are a true regenerate church. <clears throat> the second, the second uh, principle, the second point that I want to bring out to you that comes out of this church of Thessalonica, and we will, this is where we'll stop, is that they were not only saved, it was not only a safe church, but a, but a surrendered church. A surrendered church. Verse 6 says, So you became followers of us and of the Lord. Did you get that? You became followers of us and of the Lord. Uh, now that statement shows us the genuine, genuine character of their salvation. The Greek word for followers, followers is a mimtai, from which we, we get the word to mimic, to mimic. So you see, Thessalonica believers, they were just not talkers. They were imitators. They were imitating Paul, and they were imitating. Now, this is a theme. This is a, a recurring theme for, for Paul, right? He writes, to the, he writes to, to, to the Corinthians, be imitators of me. Now, that is a tough thing to say, isn't it? For me to tell you, brother, be imitator of me. 
But you know what? You know what made it beautiful? That Paul didn't just say, be imitator of me, but he says, be imitators of me as I am. I'm an imitator of Christ. So we are called to imitate Christ. In other words, we are called to be Christ-like. We are called to be Christ-like. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit. That is the goal of the Holy Spirit in each one of us. To make us into the likeness of Christ. That that comes out of us. Christ-likeness. You get it? <clears throat> These people, they just didn't talk the talk. They, 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 rather, they just merely, they just didn't talk. Uh, about their Christian experience. They were doers of the word. They were doers of the word. And they actually model uh, their lives after Paul and Christ. Uh, <clears throat> and I wrote this. The church was surrendered to one thing, brothers and sisters, and that was Christ-likeness. The church is to be like Christ, and that's, uh, that's what we are called to, to be like. <clears throat> For all of us to be like Christ. Uh, and you know, one of the, 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 the things, I go back into the labor of love because you know that if we all are like Christ, it would be very difficult for us not to get along. Right? The problem is that when, when we don't get along and there's problems amongst us, it's because we're not being like Christ. But when we're like Christ, we should not have any problems of getting along with each other and working together and doing what we must do for the kingdom of God. The problem is that where we're not Christ-like. But these people were, they were, they were wonderful. And we should be committed to be like Christ, to walk like Christ. First John 2, 6, it tells us that uh, whoever abides in him, what's the next? Whoever abides, whoever, where am I? Whoever abides in him ought to walk even as he walked. And that's talking about what? That's talking about obedience. That's talking about obedience. He walked obediently. We should also walk in obedience to the Word of God. To the Word of God. So if I say I'm of Christ, what, what should it be? I should be walking like Christ, right? I should be walking like Christ. Now, an, an, another interestingly thing, interesting thing here is that, you know, you, you know how we got the word Christians, where that came from? The Bible tells us in Acts that, the first time they called, the, they called the, uh, the, uh, the believers Christians, it was in Antioch. Am I saying it right? Antioch. And the word Christians meant little Christ. You know why? They were acting just like Christ. And that's why they were called Christians. Because they were acting like, they were acting like Christ. That's why we are called Christians. Because we should be acting Christ-like all the time. All the time. Get it? <clears throat> well, acting just like Christ. Uh, the Thessalonica and the Thessalonian church was, uh, was surrendered to Christ's likeness. Uh, <clears throat> when Christ came into the world, and, and, and that's why we always get the example of our Lord, uh, when we should always find our example in Him, right? Right? Uh, when our, when, the, when our Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, he said, my need is not to do the will of, of, my need is to do the will of him who sent me. And how was it? He was obedient to everything that he was sent to do. In Philippians 2, Philippians chapter 2, it adds another, it adds another dimension to this. It says that he was obedient even to death. And then another, another, another dimension 
it tells us, let, let this mind be in, in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not something to hold on to, to be equal to God, with God, but humble himself. <clears throat> Two things that always stands out of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was obedient and he was humble, right? Those two things stand out all the time. Those two things should be standing out in us all the time. Humbleness and obedience. Obedience to the word of God. We are called to be Christ-like. We need to be imitators of, of Christ. Those things should be standing out. And if we want to be the kind of church that God wants us to be, we should be committed to Christ-likeness. To Christ-likeness. Are we committed to that? Amen. We should be committed to that. We should be, we, we should, that should be always our, our goal. Again, that's the, that's the goal of the Holy Spirit working in us. Christ-likeness. Uh, now, the Holy Spirit works only uh, as we surrender ourselves. Amen. The Holy Spirit will not come and push you. The Holy Spirit will not come and force you. No. As we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit starts working in us, starts making us Christ-likeness. And that's where the obedience comes in. When we are obedient to the Word of God, the Holy Spirit is molding us, is guiding us into Christ-likeness. And, and if we want to be the church that God wants us to be, that's the model we should follow. Much more to say, but we're going to leave it there. <laughs> Bow your heads, please. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this model that you've given us in this church of Thessalonica. We want to be like that, Lord. We want to be like that church that you desire for us to be. That you desire us for, for us to be. Please help us to be like that. Help us, Lord, that what we don't have, what we don't have, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we may have it. Always, my Lord, always guiding ourselves by the Word of God. Help us to be that way. Help us to be that way. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you for you do more than what we <clears throat> ask for and wish for. In Jesus' name, amen.